Welcome to the Tweed Couch Guitar Therapy Session, where we talk about all things guitar related. My name is Dr. T, and I am not a licensed therapist, but I play one on a podcast. Today on the Tweed Couch, we are counseling on buying for inspiration. When I was first starting out, I had a saying, I get 10% better with every new piece of gear I get. Of course, that statement is not really true or accurate at all. And sure, sometimes pieces of gear help me gain more confidence, experience, and interest, which all led me to playing more and getting better. But on the contrary, some pieces of gear have done the opposite. Like, way opposite of making me better. But what gear have we purchased for inspiration? Why did we decide to get it? Which purchases have backfired? Does it have to be guitar related? Is there such a thing as too much gear? And is there a way to remedy gear acquisition syndrome? Well, we will discuss this and more on this group therapy session with Barber on the Tweed Couch. Well, Barber, it is great to have you once again here on the couch to do some group therapy on something I think that you and I both have been culprits of. 100%. I already know where you're going with this. Yes, and that is this whole idea of buying for inspiration. Mm-hmm. Are, are you willing to admit it now? You are someone who buys for inspiration sometimes. Yeah, I feel confident in admitting that that is sometimes the case. Yeah. But sometimes not. I say unconvincingly, but no, I, yes, I I definitely do (laughs) to various levels and degrees of success. Yes. You know, and I am the same way. Mm -hmm. I have found more times in my life that I end up buying for inspiration. And sometimes that is successful and sometimes that is detrimental. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we're going to get into today is we're going to have a little group therapy about buying for inspiration so i think maybe there might be someone that isn't privy to what this is give us like a little bit of background can you give us an example right off the bat so we all know what we're talking about yes okay great example is probably one of the first things that i ever did for buying for inspiration was i had a guitar Mm -hmm. that i really liked a fender mexican made stratocaster And I wanted to be amazing. And my brother, Paul, oh, there we go. We got one on the bingo sheet. All right. (laughs) He had a American standard Stratocaster. And he kept talking about wanting Texas special pickups in it. Because do you know the artist that was known for the reason why the Texas special pickup was made? I'm sure at one point it was downloaded into my brain, but I had to throw it out. So you got to tell me. Okay. Stevie Ray Vaughan. Affair. Yes. Yep. So the idea is, is that his Strat, even though it didn't have Texas Special pickups in it, for some reason, it was wound hotter. Mm -hmm. They were old 50s pickups, but they were wound hotter for some reason. (laughs) And so because of that, they made these pickups to sound like him. And I went, well, if I'm going to sound like Stevie Ray Vaughan, (laughs) I need these pickups. And I bought it for this inspiration, this ability to get better and sound like Stevie. And what I found was I didn't sound like Stevie. And I would not necessarily say I was really better. 
But what it did do was it caused me to actually play more. And so because of that, I bought into it and I ended up getting some inspiration out of it. So that's kind of the idea. Yeah, it excited you. So you... And yeah. I, I have a sneaking suspicion nine times out of ten when we talk about this, it's always going to come back to that. That when we yeah. did get that thing, it excited us and wanted us to play more. Because that's almost every everything I can think of now. I mean, maybe we'll discover and unearth something that touching it made me instantly better. I don't know. We'll figure that out. But nine times out of ten, it's the experience excited me or the thought of this thing excited me. So I w- played more or I played with it more. Well, since I happened to mention pickups, did you ever have like a pickup moment like where you went, oh, I got to have these pickups in order to be inspired? Um, When I was young, young, sort of. It was actually a mod. So I had a Mexican strap. That was my first right. guitar. Yep. I still use it today a lot. And, yep. and so everybody knows it's a left-handed version. Yes. Because you are left-handed. Just in case anyone <laughs> forgot. Yes. Yes. Thank you for, for reminding me. Yes. But anyway, so... Um, I actually, I had a friend that had a guitar and he put a series switch in his guitar. And I've, I've talked about yeah. this on the pod before. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. I like, I like that he flipped the switch and it just, and again, I was much less knowledgeable back then, but I, I remember hearing, oh, I hear the difference. You know, that's cool. So I said, hey, yeah. can you help me do that on mine? And I did it. And again, I don't think it made me better, but it excited me and I yep. wanted to play more and it, yeah, it kind of became part of my sound. It had this, it really like brought out the highs of the guitar and then I would mm-hmm. EQ my amp a little bit differently to sort of, so yeah. So uh, pickups, not as much, but definitely I've modded a guitar or two to get something new that I wanted out of it. Well, since you brought up guitars, you know, that is probably my weakest point. Mm. And that is buying guitars for inspiration. Because in all honesty, when it comes down to it, this is what I know. Mm-hmm. It does not matter what I'm playing, like what type of gear I'm playing. I yep. still sound like me. 100%. Because when I get a Telecaster... All of a sudden, I'm dialing the highs a little bit Mm -hmm. down, and all of a sudden, I'm bringing up the lows a little bit more. And then I grab my Les Paul, and now all of a sudden, I'm bringing the highs back, and I'm Mm -hmm. taking the lows a little bit down. And and I'm doing all these changes, and what I've noticed of all the guitars I have, because I have about 20 guitars, Mm -hmm. that's a lot of purchased inspiration. In all of that, at the end of the day, when I listen to recordings... Mm -hmm. My tone is really close to the same Yeah, in yeah. all of them. I remember the first time I used a boutique amp. I used uh, Lloyd had a Reason amp for a while. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. That, yeah, there was like a small watt, big sound amp. And he brought it to an event that we did, and I used it. And I kept saying, like, Lloyd, I just it feels different. And, 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 and it, it was a little bit squishier, sounding like the natural compression was more than I was used to. And he goes, still sounds like you, man. I don't know what you're talking about. And by the end of the <laughs> event, I was like, yeah, you're right. Yep, same thing. Because I was used to playing a, as an AC-15 by that point. But I was like, Lloyd, I just don't feel like it. And he goes, no, still sounds like you. So, yeah, that is a, that's a, fair, a fair point. We end up sounding like ourselves. If I like remember ourselves. correctly... It was the Reason Bambino Grande. Yes, yes, now, yes, exactly. It was like a little 112, 15 yep. watts, and yep. he really liked that. That was a that was a cool amp. Yeah, yeah. He had that for a couple of years, and then he got rid of it. Never forgived him. 
Yeah. But, you know, it's it's yep. okay. Much like his Vibrolux. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we need to have that therapy session. What Lloyd yeah. sold. That yeah. is going yeah. to be our therapy. I love that. Yes, yes. <laughs> and then at the end, we'll bring him on to yeah, reconcile. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Well, that's the intervention. Yeah, yeah, I love it. <laughs> okay, Lloyd, you sell too many things. Yeah, we're not the problem. <laughs> Lloyd's the problem. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So to go back to our therapy here, I mm-hmm. remember the time that I decided that it was time to be inspired, and I had my mm-hmm. Fender Mexican-made Stratocaster with the. Texas special pickups in it and everything. And I absolutely loved this guitar, but I saw collective soul and Mm. Santana and Creed all playing this interesting looking guitar known as a Paul Reed Smith. Oh, and that, that is when all of a sudden I needed to buy some inspiration Mm -hmm. and I did. Yeah. And how did that work out for you? And for me, it actually helped out a lot because what I found in that one is that I preferred the neck shape. Yeah, that's now, very fair. Now, all of a sudden, these single coil pickups that I've been used to and I had to mm. use a drive pedal to get it big and thick and juicy, yeah. which was the sound I wanted, all of a sudden I didn't have to do. I could just use the amp to do it mm-hmm. because humbuckers and high output pickups hit the front end harder. All of a sudden I got into this new world of humbuckers and it was something that I was like, you know what? I like this. Yeah. I love it. And honestly, because it was a little more high dollar, it made Mm -hmm. me feel more special when I played it. It wasn't just some, you know, inexpensive fender because at the time, I mean, Mexican strats were like 300 bucks. Mm hmm. And Paul Reed Smiths were like seventeen hundred bucks. I was like, "Well, yeah, this I've I've hit the big time. This is yeah, it." And yeah, that that did quite a bit for me. Do you have one of those guitars that you did an upgrade? I'll put in quotations, upgrade. And you went, "Yeah, that inspired me quite a bit." Yeah my my first real quality acoustic electric guitar. I was leading worship for the first time as like my main job and i've talked about it it's my remorseful selling i I talk about it almost every podcast i've been with you i talk about this this is your bingo card now (laughs) yeah it is it's the martin dc aura yeah the aura dc gloss top that guitar it was the first like really nice i mean it was i think eighteen hundred dollars at the time guitar that i bought and it was my first completely solid body guitar solid like not solid but like the it wasn't a composite you know it was a solid yeah. top solid back and sides because uh, the other guitar i had had a solid top but the back and sides were you know the laminate laminate yeah yeah uh, so this was the first time that i bought the guitar and it looked amazing so i, I felt way cooler that that feeling you had with your, yep. your prs same sensation but also the neck was a little bit thicker and and I like a thinner mm-hmm. neck, but the action and then the way that the strings interacted, it was just, there was something about it that I, I definitely felt more confident when I was playing. So yeah, yeah, I definitely have that experience. It was with an acoustic guitar. It wasn't with an electric guitar though. 
Well, and that's okay. Yeah, I've had many experiences like that. The first time I bought my Firebird, that was pretty cool. It was just like a, a weird looking guitar, yeah. and it had mini humbuckers, which was is different. So yeah. Now, how but, did it inspire you differently to play that Firebird as comparison to say your Strat? Definitely sounded different, and the scale length of the neck. Like I kind of felt like I was playing a bass at times because the scale length is different. I felt like I had higher access to like, I felt like for the first time, and this is again, a bit of an exaggeration. The first time I had access to the full neck, the full, all the frets, you know, I mean, it's probably more of a placebo effect than anything else because that's what people say about, you know, firebirds in their necks like that. Sure. Well, and that actually brings up an interesting point because you said the scale length, but the Fender scale length is actually bigger. It's a 25 and a half, whereas Mm. the Firebird is that 24 and three quarter, but Mm. where it sits on the body and how it sits with the strap. Well, and that brings an interesting point too, because I found the same thing that when I went from, you know, the PRS and the Fender guitar, where both of those, the body really sets you in the center of the picking pattern. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden... I went to the ES-355. Bigger body, moves around a little bit, and I started to notice the difference. Yeah. I played different. I felt different, Mm -hmm. and that brought on inspiration all on its own. Of course, my inspiration Mm -hmm. then started to be B.B. King because it's a big black ES-355. Not quite a Lucille, but... I found myself trying to play more blues and man, Mm. that was another one of those that yes, it cost quite a bit. I got a smoking deal on it, but at the same time, it's one of those that I bought it and I had inspiration and that was a good thing. It, It really worked out well. That's cool. I had something similar. I bought a resonator guitar, not nearly as expensive as a, a 355, but I bought it couple reasons and then i ended up using it at a friend's wedding and there was a good like six months seven months where i found myself wanting to hear that sound because it's just a different sensation the neck oh yeah is is a lot like it's more constricting because it's it's position is less and also the neck was much fatter than i was used to but it was something about that sound that i just really enjoyed um so i i do i resonate with that no pun intended yeah pun intended Okay, what about slide? Did you play slide with it? Yeah, yeah, and I've never been great at playing slide, but that helped me a little bit. Yeah, it just sounds so much cooler than, yeah. So, yeah, a little bit, oh, and yeah. it, it, it definitely, it was, I always thought slide was something I couldn't do, and that did help me. I am I was, like, really bad at it. Now I'm just pretty bad at it. So, oh, okay. yeah. yeah well, you know. that, that's improvement, so you got better. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, so speaking of going off the reservation just a little bit, you know, for me, I remember that time that I went from the Fender, I went to the PRS, and then I started to find myself getting bored with guitar. Mm -hmm. You know, because after all, I had learned it all. I learned all guitar. I was done. You you had all of the guitars. Yep. You needed it. Yep. And I was good. I was good. I didn't need anything. I didn't need to get better. No. Uh, In all honesty, it really was kind of that situation of, I felt like I was good and I was content with mm-hmm. where I was playing. Yeah. And the idea of learning more was a little beyond what I was ready to do with my fingers mm. and my maturity. 
So I went out on a limb and Fender had just released the FM52E. I think that's what it was. It was an A-frame like teardrop mandolin. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and it was the first year, which by the way, if you ever find the first year, they have terrible tuners on them. I've never mm-hmm. found one that was good. But after that, then they switched from the chrome tuners to the white button tuners, and those stay yeah. tuned great. But back to my point. My point is, is that I decided I was going to go ahead and do it. And it was like 200 bucks with the case mm-hmm. for this electric teardrop mandolin. And I got it and decided I was going to learn. And that was interesting because even though you might think, well, didn't that set you back for guitar, for mm-hmm. playing electric guitar or acoustic or whatever? It actually didn't. It changed the way I thought and it changed the way my fingers moved. And then I had to really think about the notes on the fretboard in order to make things happen. And I had to change picking patterns because it's more of a percussive instrument than Mm -hmm. I was using on the electric. I was saying Mm. it's more percussive than the electric, but it was more percussive to me. And it really just changed my mindset. And I would say that because of the mandolin, it all of a sudden jump-started my desire to be a better guitar player. Interesting. That's pretty cool. It also jump-started the desire for people to hire me to play mm. mandolin. That's cool. Because next thing you know, I'm playing mandolin, and I'm kind of showing some things and showing what I do, and mm. people are like, yeah, you're a guitar player. Uh, anything new? And I'm like, yeah, I've been playing mandolin. They're like, what? Hmm. You play mandolin, huh? And then I started playing some mandolin, and next thing you know... Get a few gigs here and there, and uh, then the church. It was not, you know, keep in mind, this is the early, early 2000s, the the switchover mm. of the millennia, which is around that time when electric guitar was seen more in churches. Yeah. Well, my church was not ready for that. <laughs> but the mandolin. They were all about it. a mandolin. Yeah. Yeah. And so I played a lot of mandolin to some contemporary worship. It was pretty nuts. I don't think I knew that about you. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I've done that not to the not to the extent, but I've I've bought a tenor ukulele and I bought a baritone ukulele. I really enjoyed really? that. That was fun. Yeah, I have it somewhere still. I just a string broke on it like two years ago. And you have to buy specific strings from the company, that, and I just never did. So I should. Yeah. Hmm, I need some inspiration. I'm gonna go. That's another. That's another. Is are there things that you still have that you you'd be like, oh, I can pull that back out and I can recapture that inspiration I hoped for when I yeah. bought it. That's like a whole different, a whole different podcast almost. Oh yeah, it definitely is. <laughs> we'll we'll call it uh, skeletons in the closet. I love <laughs> that. But. Uh, I will say I will say this though, kind of pulling back for a second. I would say the whole buying things for inspiration, where I found that more was more in the world of pedals. Uh, I think that the, oh, the two yeah. the two biggest times that I thought of were pedal related. I bought like four Boss pedals and a Tube Screamer. I bought like a Tube mm-hmm. Screamer Blues Driver, like the digital delay, like the DD three. And like a chorus pedal, and I think I got a flanger pedal for like five bucks that I never used. Yeah. And that, to me, changed everything. And I would argue very much so the first time I got those, that made me a better player because it opened up an avenue of I can hear 
different things and I can create different sounds that I wouldn't necessarily be able to create without those things. And then the second time, jump ahead maybe two years, I bought a JHS Panther, which is a, their like analog delay pedal. And that changed everything. It was the most thick, lush, big, like my guitar just sounded massive every time I turned it on. And it it, yeah. that, it, it inspired me to want to play more. But I also think like the idea of like using that dotted eighth delay to like get that like that chunky U2 sound like that changed yep. everything for me. So I will always have a JHS. I have the JHS Panther Cub, which is a smaller version of the Panther. Right. I will I will always own that pedal because it's the coolest sound. It's my favorite favorite sounding delay I've ever owned, and it really uh, the pedal really it it one hundred percent inspired me. You know, I'm glad you brought up pedals because for me, pedals helped. You know, I I, I got the Jekyll and Hyde. I've mentioned the Jekyll and Hyde before, and that yeah. changed a whole world of what distortion was and how it worked and how much I loved just being able to leave something on most of the time and just filling out a sound whenever Mm -hmm. your EQ lacks on your amp because I had a solid state amp and when that lacks you need something to I'll just say amp it up pun intended all right and now all of a sudden it's just got that tube drive sound because i didn't i didn't crank the gain i just had enough to make it Mm -hmm. a little gritty you know mask some mistakes whatever yeah that that was the tube screamer for me that exactly what you just said and now that i think i didn't get the tube screamer right away that came maybe about six months after i got the blues driver that was my first overdrive pedal yeah but the yeah the tube screamer that was like such a game changer. And then the Barber Direct Drive, which uh, yep. just changed that. I mean, Did names. you buy it because of your name? No. I mean, partly. No, I bought it because <laughs> I... So, I heard... Did you invent it? I did. Um, my, oh. uh, my, non, my nom de plure. Did you file a lawsuit because they used your name? No, but I, this is a good, it's a good thought. Statute I, of limitations. you're you're out of order uh i used lloyd's actually forgot about it because i i the first time i used lloyd's pedals i knew nothing about pedals i literally turned all of them on at one point and i was just like this is amazing um yeah because they all sounded awesome (laughs) yeah exactly yeah yeah but no i heard somebody i don't remember but i heard some like a youtube video of someone playing and i was like oh that sounds cool and it wasn't that expensive so I ordered it. I ordered it while I was still on team and had to get it like shipped to like my yeah. host home in Michigan or something. I bought wow. it directly from their website too because it wasn't on wow. wasn't on Sweetwater or anything. But yeah, the the Tube Screamer and the and the Barber Direct Drive are two overdrive pedals that are staples, but also really changed a lot for me because they were just like two stages of overdrive, and I loved experimenting with one on one off changing the order figuring out which one fits better first in the signal chain and like that to me mm-hmm. was so much fun and so much enjoyable i find that tedious now but i'm just like nope i know yeah. what i like i'm not changing it right but when i was younger i was like this is so cool i can switch the order and it sounds completely different i was very inspired by all of that oh yeah 
And then next thing you know, you're taking the pedals off and then just changing the order of where the pedal was in the chain and going, does that change anything? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I'm with you. There was a time when all of a sudden I started to get into vintage gear and I wanted the original rat. Mm. I wanted the original tube screamer. I wanted to have the actual Echoplex units and I just I wanted all those things and and I go to the amps I wanted blackface and tweed amplifiers I wanted the half stack with you know the basket weave on the front and there were all of these like vintage items that I really wanted but I could afford none of them Mm -hmm. so I found that company build your own clone yeah and build your own clone allowed you to make a pretty decent replica of it. Mm-hmm. Plus, you could do true bypass, which was a big thing at the time. Yes, it is. now every pedal has true bypass. It's like yeah, not, not and, even a and thing And now anymore. they sell buffers on top of it. You know, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah Air signal. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and so I ended up getting. Well, first I ended up getting the Keeley modded tube screamer. So I had Keely back when he used to do mods and stuff. Yeah. So I had the Keely modded, really liked the Keely modded, but I was going to make my own. Mm. And so for about, I think it was like 50 bucks, you could get a kit and make yeah. it yourself. That's and so, so cool. I did. And in the making of it, in the options of adding switches, in the ability to solder and see if it works and see what happens if you wire it backwards and all that. I sculpted some tone and messed with some things and found out some things. And that's talking about some inspiration for tone. I bought pedals that weren't even put together. I had to do them myself because I was so poor. And I made these pedals and stuck them on my pedal board and I went, dang. That was fun. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. It definitely sounds like to you, and I mean, definitely for me, I would say that I have been more inspired overall by the pedal process than I have with the guitar process. I also think the guitar process is way more expensive. So I'm not I'm not able to go buy a new guitar whenever I want. But I could buy a two hundred dollar, hundred and fifty, hundred and seventy-five dollar pedal and get some inspiration. It's it's more maybe just more accessible. Maybe it's not better. I cannot believe that you right now have helped me realize something that I didn't quite realize. Because I'm not a pedal junkie. I pretty much, whenever I use pedals, well, when I'm using it with the Marshall, I mean, I just need some reverb because it's not on the Marshall. Delay. I love delay. Me too. Delay thickens up anything in a band mix. Mm -hmm. Love delay. Some drive for whenever I want it to be smoother than what the Marshall can give. Because the Marshall can be a little spiky. Mm -hmm. And I need a boost. And other than that, you might hear me use tremolo. You might hear me use a phaser. But other than that, I don't really use anything else. Maybe Mm -hmm. a wall. Okay. And so other than that, I got nothing. But what you kind of described, all of a sudden, I'm realizing that... I've got the amp I like. I know what kind of guitar I like, but it is the texture that is Mm -hmm. the pedals that quite possibly is the inspiration that someone who already has a sound they like might need 
yeah. to get inspiration. It's not, well, I think I need a telly and a strat. Yeah. Maybe what you need is a blues breaker and a TS9. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, they called them accessories for a reason. Like when you go yeah. on to, you know, like they, they accessorize with your main stuff. I mean, yeah. Well, hold on. So you used to be a, a salesman in an actual music yeah. and art store. Yeah. And you're telling me that pedals are accessories? I think technically, yeah. I think that's what. Wow. What, okay. I think even I think even on Sweetwater, it would do it would say that if you go to like guitar accessories, it, it, it may be true. I see. Yeah. I always thought of accessories as picks, slides, yeah. strings. Well, I think there's a fine line, like multi effects. No, it might not be true yeah. anymore. But at one point, I can tell you for a fact that accessories, yes, pedals were accessories. No, wow. I'm with you. Yeah. I actually think that if it's not, we need to go back to it. Yep. Yeah. I'm in complete agreement. I'm so glad that I'm on the couch and you're helping me. I love it. So <laughs> let's let's take a step back now too, because I think we would we can just touch on this. So we have many times talked about pedals versus multi effects, the Kempers, the Helixes, the yep. uh, Iridiums. I own an Iridium. I own uh-huh. a Kemper. I own a Quad yep. Cortex. <laughs> oh my gosh! Do you have an HX Stomp? I sold it. Okay. But this is, so here's my thing. Do you have a fractal? No. Do you have boss or zoom anything in that realm? Don't insult me, young man. Um, <laughs> so the Iridium, I actually use at church. So that's a, okay. it was, it was a, a church expense. Man, uh, I liked it. Yeah. So I found the Kemper very inspiring. Yeah, um, it was my first forte into the all-in-one. Just plug it in. You, you, you plug it in power. You plug it in XLR, and loved it. It was cool. I did not have the same experience with the HX Stop. I found that frustrating, and I don't know why. Mm. The Quad Cortex is closer to the Kemper. It's good. It's not great. I think it will get great. I think we're still we're yeah. free beta testers. We've talked about that. Yep. But it's interesting to me that they're essentially the same thing. The Kemper and the HX Stomp, um, they're not that different. There's maybe more bells and whistles in one or other, but I found one very inspiring, and I found the other uninspiring, and I sold it within yeah. six months. Right. I remember you getting that, the HX Stomp, and uh, I, I remember talking you, trying to talk you into keeping it a little bit longer, Yeah. and you finally just went, no, nah, it's gone. Yep. It's like, okay, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. That's good. I still have mine. Mm -hmm. I am actually going to fly with it to Chicago for a booking next weekend. And actually, this podcast will go out. And then the next weekend, I'm in Chicago. Cool. They don't have my pedal board because it's somewhere else. We'll just leave it at that. Mm. And because of that, I need to have something else. And I went, you know what? HX Stomp. It's small. It's easy. It'll work just fine. Why not the Quad Cortex? Well, part of it is because I'm really cheap. So I'm the one that has to fit the bill. Okay. So basically, here's here's a little bit of an insight into the hired gun. Mm. They say, here's how much money we're going to give you. Yeah. And, and then, then you, go- you figure out how much money it takes for you to get there and whether it was worth your time. Mm-hmm. So for me, 
I can spend, and actually I got a great deal on a plane ticket for $190. That's really good. It's awesome, but I will have to pay $30 for every checked bag. Uh, okay. And I'm going to bring a guitar. I'm bringing the Kretzman. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a Kretzman artist. I should play a Kretzman at this event, which usually I end up playing Telecaster. So I'm really excited to see how this goes. Mm-hmm. So I'm bringing that, and the HX Stomp fits inside the guitar case. Okay. Okay. The That's Quad fair. Cortex does not. And usually what I do, here's a pro tip for anybody who has to do this. I then pack all my clothes in the guitar case as well. I've done that before. Yep. So you take the guitar case with all your clothes and everything. The shoes you're wearing are the shoes you're wearing all weekend. The jacket you have on is the jacket you're wearing all weekend. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the pants you're wearing now are the pants you're wearing all weekend. (laughs) And you pack it all inside that guitar case and go and the quad cortex would not fit with all of that otherwise i'd have to pay another 30 bucks to check another bag and i was like nah i'm good yeah that's fair no i would i'm on board with that that makes sense yeah Um, so i'm glad you brought up modelers so i want to go back to that real quick when it comes to modelers my rising was modelers Mm. and the rising of my modelers was the Vox Valvatronics. Me too. Yeah, mine yeah. was the blue one. Mine was, what the, was yours? the black with the silver yeah. chrome. Yeah, the chrome. I forget. So what I was had now. the one that looked like a super beetle. Mm-hmm. Actually, the logo for Tweed Couch, you know, the, yeah. the two little like tweed chairs with a, a Vox like beetle in the background. Mm-hmm. It's a Vox Valvatronics. We, I took the Valvatronics part off of it that's amazing so that it looks like a beetle yeah so i had that and on board was you know marshall sounds and mesa sounds mm-hmm. and fender sounds or maybe i'm better off saying clean dirty and dirtier sounds yeah because <laughs> they didn't really sound like those amplifiers but they were good sounding but also on there was Phalanger and mm-hmm. Phaser and Rotary. Ottawa. Yeah, Ottawa. And then and the distortions and reverbs and delays and all of these things that really got me a chance to taste it all. Yeah. And so that was really big in me being able to really like gain tone and understand what tone I was looking mm. for and sculpting what I really wanted. And then I started to get into the Line 6 stuff. Mm. And although I love the M9, I love the M13, I love the HX effects, the HX stomp, sometimes you get to what we talked about when we talked about Kemper paralysis. Mm. I had basically multi-effects paralysis. There were so many options. Yeah. That next thing I know, I'm, you know, trying to figure things out. But ultimately, I found myself going, okay, I like the screamer. Mm-hmm. I like to add a screamer for boost, just add a little more treble. Yeah, yeah. You know, I like the delay. The delay is great. Mm-hmm. I like the tremolo. It's great. I like tap tempo tremolo. You know, and I started to, like, get all this stuff going, okay, but this is my defining sound. Mm-hmm. And then the true downfall of modeling occurred. And that was the Kemper. Yeah. 
Because even though I would agree it was inspiring, the Kemper was not necessarily because I was lacking in tone. It was because I was lacking in controlling my stage volume. Yes, same. Because I played a half stack. Mm. And the reason why I played a half stack is because it inspired me. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, it also inspired uh the neighbors mm. <laughs> um the uh the sound guy way at the back of the arena <laughs> um you know it was a, it was a little bit rough and so i got the kemper and i would say the kemper filled the niche completely for silent on stage yeah but really it was also my downfall it was the backfire because the next thing you know i'm going well I've always wanted a sure badger. Oh yeah, too many oh, options. Well, sure, I, I've always I've always wanted to have a '63 Bandmaster. Mm. Oh well, sure, I always wanted to have an actual JMP Super Lead, but something I can play at a volume that I really like. And you know what? What's direct mix? What is this thing right here? What does this do? Oh, what's flutter? Well, yeah, I'd love to know what Flutter is. (laughs) Yeah, and so then all of a sudden you're jacking with everything. And it honestly, it crippled me for a while in progressing as a guitar player. And that's where the backfire comes in. Mm -hmm. That's where all of a sudden I went from being inspired to uh, perspiring Mm. and, and, you know, sweating it out and trying to figure it all out. Yeah. And I will say the quad cortex actually eliminated some of that because there's less options. That's what I was just about to ask. And the other thing it eliminated was I would have to use two pedal boards because a lot of times I would use electric and acoustic Mm. at the same time. Yeah. And you couldn't do that with the Kemper. Yes. And the quad cortex allows me to do both of that with the one pedal board. And that's actually helped out quite a bit. Yep. No, I agree. I'm I'm glad you brought that up. Okay, so here's what we should do. Let's take a little break from the sponsor, mm-hmm. and then we will come back, and we're going to talk about a couple of things, maybe a few accessories other than pedals that mm. were inspiring. Yeah. And also, we've talked about a lot of things that probably built up gas for people. Let's talk about any ways that maybe would curb someone's gas. Yeah. Gear acquisition syndrome. I, I think we can, I think we might be able to help. All right, here's a word from our sponsors. If you are looking for a way to help support the Tweed Couch and it costs no money to you, then check out our YouTube channel and become a subscriber. Also, you can tell someone about the podcast and share an episode with them. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support. Are you looking for a party with a purpose? If you love music, family-friendly, and camping, then you need to come to LifeFest. In July of 2022, they will have two festivals once again. One at the Sunnyview Fairgrounds in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and the other at the Johnny Cash Hideaway Farm in Bonagua, Tennessee. I'll see you there. Let's hear from another sponsor. Since 2003, the Crestman Guitar Company has been repairing stringed instruments and building custom guitars and basses. In 2021, Kretzman started production of a solid body electric guitar with the goal of providing affordable, awesome looking and sounding guitars that anyone, student to expert, would be proud to play and own. Be sure to check them out 
at kretzmanguitars.com. That's K-R-E-T-Z-M-A-N-N guitars.com. All right, so let's talk about a couple of things. And there is one accessory, like in particular, that Mm. I can think of is probably the biggest inspirer that I had, at least as a live performer. Yeah. And that was the wireless guitar, the transmitter, the receiver, everything. It was inspiring. It did a lot for me. Did you ever have a wireless? Yeah, I do. I actually think we've talked about wireless before. We might have experienced wireless with the same wireless units right around the same time. Yeah. Because it was, what? when did you first buy? You have a Line 6, the Relay. Is that what you started with? Yep. No. So my very first one was back in the 2000s, early okay. 2000s. Yeah, I was... had the Nady wireless system. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. And it was fine. It worked out great. Yeah. It, it was really not that big of a deal. I was playing my PRS, but I'm playing it through a solid state amp and a mm. bunch of random effects pedals, which included the Dan Electro minis. I had one of those too. Yeah. Pastrami, yeah. tuna salad, yeah. maybe a little I, BLT. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, it's a delicious array of pedals. Yeah, yeah. And then I needed to upgrade. And the reason why was because the Nady started dropping out. Yeah. I had owned it for like three, four years, toured with it. And I was like, mm, this thing's dying. And so I bought the Sennheiser G3. Okay, yeah. And I used those. But then uh, the FCC took that channel so i had to get rid of it so i got a different one and then the fcc took that channel and i went screw it i'm going digital and i think that's where we have the same one and experience digital for the first time yes yes you definitely i just forget you're older than me so you experience wireless first fine you're so sweet yeah you know but better (laughs) but you're you're older and almost as good looking as me so i think that's (sighs) um, almost yeah (laughs) Oh, but in my younger days, yeah, I had well, you. I'm sure when I was when I was five, yes. Yeah, it was it, seriously. It was it would be a mirror image because I'm right-handed and you're left-handed. That's true. It's like looking in a mirror. <laughs> but yes, the Relay G50. I got that maybe in 2010. Yeah, and I would say that's when I ended up going to the G50 as well. So yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, let's talk about game changing and 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 inspiration. I loved it, so I bought it at a time I was still touring with uh, Youth Encounter, and yep. there were, there's a couple of cool different things. One, we would do these events, and we talk about these events, the quakes, and yep, there was just cool to be free, and I would run around and I'd jump into the crowd and I'd play guitar, and then it was it was just fun, yep. you know. But then also too, there was a my second year, my drummer also played guitar, but he was right-handed, so we would switch guitars. And then I had two body packs. You know, I could just turn mine off yeah. and he would turn his on and then it would connect. So it was also like yeah. a functional thing too. And for a while we only had one and I would hand we would hand it back and forth. But it was just like that cool flexibility of just like wired versus wireless. And I'm at the point now that when I'm wired, I somehow trip over my cable almost every time. Because I'm not used yeah. to it anymore. Yeah. I ended up buying the wireless not because I was on tour at the time. I was actually playing with my buddies in a garage band, you know, and it was one of those things where you meet somebody who plays guitar and that somebody knows somebody who plays bass and his brother plays drums. And you go, you know what? I don't care if he's any good. 
I don't care if he can keep the beat. I just want to play in a band. Yeah. And I found myself, even though I spent most of my time like five feet from my amp. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. Three feet from my mm-hmm. amp. <laughs> the fact that I had a cable under me, I would step on that thing all the time. Yeah. I just decided, you know what? That's fine. A Nady wireless system cost 120 bucks. Yeah. And that's a lot of money, especially when you're like a teenager. Mm-hmm. But I was like, you know what? It's worth it because I'm yeah. in for the long haul. Mm-hmm. And it was great. It was great. Now, the G50 is what I got. I loved it and I thought it was great. So great, in fact, that I ended up getting a second one, like the yep. whole unit. But that whole unit stayed with Lynn whenever I played with Lynn Stone King. Mm hmm. Because I was playing with them so much, I was like, you know, okay, I'm going to leave one with you, and then I'll have one for me yeah. whenever I go do stuff locally. And then I had a buddy who was getting rid of his G30. Mm. And I was like, G30, you know, maybe I could have that too. And yeah. so I had a G30, and then all of a sudden I decided to rack the Kemper. Mm. And so I got a G90. Yeah. So we just mentioned we got our first like set in 2010 here it is 12 years later and all of a sudden one of my g50 packs went down oh no like yeah it's no good anymore and i'm like that's okay i have like three total so i got two more and then the second one went down and i went "Uh oh well that's okay because i have another g50 and i have the g30 Mm. and those have been holding strong yeah but I'm just waiting for that time when the next one goes down. And when that does, I think I'm going to go for my next inspiration. This is where I'm going to buy more inspiration. Okay. I think I'm going for the Sure. The GLXD. Yeah. I've been looking at those too. I've been flirting with it. And because mm-hmm. I, I have a similar Relay G series problem because I have two G50s and two G55s. Oh, which are the G55. The- yeah, okay. I have two of them. So I bought them back. I was doing a lot more live production stuff, and occasionally okay. I would I would get asked to go and do an event where I was playing acoustic guitar and sing by myself. And I didn't have a lot of time to set up, so I bought two of them. You can rack mount them. Bought a microphone yep. for one, and then literally all I would do is I had a rack mounted digital soundboard with that yep. racked in it. I could plug in my soundboard, plug my speakers in. And I was done. I didn't have to do anything. Right. And I just plugged my wire. So it was. that's why I have it. And I still still have them. And I don't know if I'll ever get rid of them because they do come in handy. But yeah. So yeah. we. But the, yes. The Sure. What is it? The, what is it? The something it's, 16. Yeah. It's the GLXD 16 something, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. And mm. the, the reason why I like it is it has the ever so important built in tuner. Yes. Yeah, which Line yeah. 6 makes one too. Yeah, yeah. But I really like the one that Sure has for another reason, which is it's rechargeable. Yeah, that is pretty cool. I'm also yeah. a little bit more open to it because I know Corey Wong uses it. Mm. Yeah, I've been really big yep. into Wolfpack lately. And I think I think Theo Katzman, who's the drummer who has his own solo project, he also uses it. And they use I mean, they use it. He was using it in Madison Square Garden. If you saw that Wolfpack live at Madison Square Garden. I did not. Oh, it's so good. I mean, it's, it's 2019. Really good. But he was using at MSG and it worked fine. So, 
Yeah, so like the quality seems to be there. The thing that I would say that with Corey Wong using it, the reason why I would trust that more is because he plays so clean. Yes. He has to have the true signal and it's percussive. Mm-hmm. So it also has to have low latency. Yep, exactly. So that's what... Yeah. So if it's good for him, it's probably good for everybody. I found a video recently. I'll have to send it to you. It's uh, this guy. It's called like the Pedal Doctor, maybe. I don't remember his name. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, Mason Mangella. Yeah, yeah. He put together Corey Wong's like touring pedal board. Yeah. And you kind of watch it and he's like super anal about it all being perfect and everything i'm like yes this is like crack for me i love this i'll have to send yes. that to you later but yeah but yep. that that inspired me seeing that and seeing him use it and yeah i could see myself one day maybe getting that yeah well okay so i think what we just did was built a lot of gas towards people like mm. buying new gear yep. so it's probably important for us to talk about ways that we have used to kill the gas, to kill the gear acquisition syndrome. Because my problem is, is I will talk myself completely into something mm-hmm. and I will buy it and then I'll fall out of love with it and yeah. go, yeah, why did I buy that? Like, did I really need a blue Les Paul with P90s? I mean, yes. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Except for I don't really play P90s. That's fair. And yeah. everything still sounds like me. Mm-hmm. So that is a good question, and I have some thoughts. I think one big thing, too, is, like, lately I've been trying to, like, come back to the purity of music, and the purity of music for me. And, like, I, re- I really I started out playing acoustic guitar. I, mean, I know you more electric guitar you started out, but yep. for me, acoustic guitar. So lately i found myself and i'm playing a lot more acoustic guitar because i'm leading worship a lot you know Um, oh yeah but just having that sort of like as my anchor and like enjoying playing it and having a guitar i own a guitar that sounds good unplugged and just being able to come back to that and saying this is really all i need so like kind of like it's a perspective thing for me oh sure that kind of remind and remembering where my roots are that helps sometimes Another one that's really big for me is nine times out of ten. I mean, we have we have so much junk. I know you have. We so have much a lot junk. of gear. This thing that I want, whatever it is, hypothetically, mm-hmm. does it not do? Does it do something that I don't have? Like, is there nothing that I own that can do what this thing does? And if I ask myself that honestly, nine times out of ten, ten times out of ten, let's be honest. Yeah, possibly eleven times out of ten. Yep. The answer is no, you know, or I mean, I think I think Lloyd, our good friend Lloyd has a good kind of that like slush fund. Something needs to go out before it can come in mentality. Yeah. I like that. I kind of have adopted that. You know, if, if there is something cool that I want, well, then something's got to go. So then it, two things, you know, you're not putting a financial drain, but also you're like, well, mm-hmm. if I want this, I'm going to have to get rid of this. What do I like better? Do I like? Yeah. The thing I already have that I have, or do I want this thing? If you kind of stick with that. I think those are some things that I use to kind of help with that gas. Yeah, there are a number of things that I find myself doing that helps me to curb the gas. And one of the things which is really funny is starting this podcast helped out quite a bit. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Because instead of me searching the internet, reading the forums, 
you know, seeing what the newest thing is that's out and trying to figure out if I really want it and all those things. Essentially, what I did was I started going into therapy and talking to you guys about all the gear stuff and all the things. And some of it has talked me out of the idea of certain things. And some of it has talked me into it. But for the most part, it's kind of changed my thought process some. So, yes, since starting the podcast, I have bought an R9. Hmm. Okay. Well, I was looking for an R9 before that. Okay. Okay. So, joke's on me. All right. (laughs) So, then the Quad Cortex, it showed up during all this. But at the time, I was still having this, like, Kemper battle in my head. So, okay. So, sure. This makes some sense. But you sold the Kemper. But I sold the Kemper. And I sold it for a profit. Yeah. And, you know, that's one of the things is that a lot of the stuff that I bought, I end up selling for profit. And then I can just dump all that into something else. Yeah. Ultimately, at the end, I would say getting another hobby. Starting a podcast. Yeah. Okay. Starting a podcast. Everybody, you should start a podcast. Let me know when you do. I will listen. I will. All right. Um, I started doing some video stuff, which ended up changing the way that I th- buy stuff because then all of a sudden it was like oh well i need lighting <laughs> oh well i could use a mic but the thing is is because i wasn't serious about it i bought cheap stuff and that's way less expensive i have less invested into doing video and podcasting than i do in almost any guitar that i have yeah. <laughs> almost <laughs> any guitar that i have so you know that's kind of good another thing for curbing So you mentioned just looking at the gear you have. And yes, I've done that, and that does help out a lot. But another thing is taking some of the gear that you have and putting it away and then pulling it back out a few months later and, like, reintroducing yourself to it. It's like if you have a bad enough memory, it's just new gear. It really is, yeah. 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 It's like, where did this show up in the closet? <laughs> uh, no, but but in all seriousness, you know, I'll put away the the ES three fifty five, and I won't play it, and then all of a sudden I'll start getting itch for like a yeah, new guitar, and yeah. I'll pull out the ES three fifty five, and I'll go, oh man, I love this one, and then I'll put away the Gretsch, White Falcon, and then now all of a sudden it's like, you know, then all of a sudden I'll get this idea and this will be, man, I really want to do something. And I'll pull out the white Falcon and be like, oh man, this thing's great. Yeah. So sometimes that'll help, you know, or plugging into a different amp or doing that kind of stuff. So I, I found that to help out a lot. And the last tip that I have for trying to like kill this gear acquisition syndrome is for me deciding that I'm going to learn something for a specific guitar or a specific mm. pedal or a specific amp, it focuses me on the technique and the playing and the doing. Like, I have an Explorer. Yeah. Well, when I think of Explorer, I think of you 2 but I definitely think of Leonard Skinner and I think of Freebird. Mm. You should learn the Freebird solo. It's a whole lot of blues licks done really fast. Yep. B.B. King, 355, right? Mm-hmm. So there's all these different things that I'm like, yeah. And when I got my Strat, you know, one of the first things I did was, okay, I'm going to learn Strat songs. Yeah. And now I'm learning a few Stevie things. And I, and I did learn Pride and Joy and learned some Mare. I learned some slow dancing in a burning room. And so now all of a sudden there's your bingo. Nice. And so I learned a bunch of different things. And I think those are things that can help 
you know, curb some some gear acquisition syndrome. So really what it boils down to is remember that you still play the instruments. You don't just, you know, buy them. It's, it's doing, it's the act of doing it. I I mean, it's kind of, you mean, you mean you you just don't become the collector from guardians of the galaxy. Exactly. Yep. I remember I had, but I have a lot of infinity stones. I had a friend growing up (laughs) whose dad had a boat, never took the boat out and would clean the boat. And I'd be like, why don't you use the boat? And he goes, well, I don't want to, I don't want to mess it up. You know, uh, something bad could happen to it. I'm like, well, then why do you have the boat? Yeah. Right? Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Look at you. That's bringing it home. Yep. So use your boat. Use it. Yeah. 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 You know, and that's a great way to end this. Everybody, I would like you to use your boat. Yep. And if you find that you need some sort of inspiration, it's okay to buy some inspiration. Just make sure that it doesn't cause frustration yeah, when you do it. That's good. That's good. All right. Well, Barbara, thanks for being a part of this therapy session with me. Thanks for having me. So good to have you. All right. Bye. Well, that concludes our time of the Tweed Couch Guitar Therapy Session. If you like what you heard, leave five stars in a review. Also, don't forget to check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Tweed Couch. Until next time. 